Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Alta Sciences podcast. Today, in our consultant series, where globally recognized consultants discuss how they're addressing the most pressing drug development topics of the day, we're pleased to welcome Teresa John. Teresa is the founder and CEO of Biopharma Connections, which is a consultant company that specializes in providing support for strategic business development to life science companies. Biopharma Connections helps facilitate quality connections, relationship management, follow-up, and ongoing business development support. So with that, Teresa, welcome, Mm -hmm. and thank you for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. Ah, it's my pleasure. Let's just to kick off, let's start with some more personal questions to help us get to know you Mm -hmm. a little bit better. Tell me a bit about yourself and how you got into consulting. Well, let's see. Originally, I was um, thinking I would go to medical school, uh, but I enjoyed chemistry so much that I uh, took a job at Shearing Plow as a chemist uh, right after graduation, and that was in the University of Memphis, and Shearing Plow was in Memphis, Tennessee. So that's the accent. And that was a great uh, decision because I found I loved the pharmaceutical industry and stayed with that company for nine years. They put me through graduate school. Um, I then moved to California, transitioned into program management, which I also loved, uh, helping companies take their program from preclinical to clinical trials and commercialization. And then about in 2002, I decided to try my hand at business development for a CRO called Dow Pharmaceutical Sciences. And I found that was my true calling or that really uh, the niche that fit my skills, experience and passion uh, the most. So I stayed with them for about six years and decided to offer consulting services after that in 2007. Uh, That's when I started my company uh, to provide strategic business development consulting to service providers or startups that need connections uh, to either investors, strategic partners, or to outsource their programs. Cool, that's a, that's a, <laughs> a great history. So mm-hmm. what when you're not working, and, and from what I know about you, that may not be a lot of the day, but <laughs> when you're not working, what do you like to do outside of work? Uh, you know, anything outdoors. So I'm a huge fan of hiking, uh, swimming, even golf, which I learned kind of in the industry, um, paddle boarding, um, biking. So anything outdoors when you're not on the computer is fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So uh, just to tag on to that a, a little bit, is there a motto by which you live your life? Yes, you know, that's a great question, Mike. Um, But every day I wake up in the shower and it's kind of a mantra and I say to myself, you know, focus on the positive, you know, focus Mm. on what you can do to make a difference and try to just weed out all of the other stuff, right? Because in in this world with news and everything, if if you don't really have that focus and that mindset, um, you can really uh, go down a different path. So I make a conscious choice every day. To focus that's, on making a that's difference. Good advice for all of us, including including me. <laughs> so thank you for that. And uh, finally, one last uh, one last nugget from you. Can you let the audience know a fun fact about you? Well, yes. Some people may not know, but I am a huge dog lover, which I forgot to mention. Oh. And I've always had golden retrievers. And in my twenties, I raised them, and I think I've 
probably raised 45 golden retrievers in my life, if wow. not more, but had a, you know, had a wonderful time doing that and, and really enjoy, um, you know, being around animals and raising golden retrievers. They're the best breed ever. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you, even as we're uh, speaking now, there's a golden retriever laying at my feet. So mine too. Uh, She's right there. <laughs> yeah. Just always with you. There are more people than they are dogs, but right. Well, right. Thanks for that insight in, into you. Um, let's let's move on to talking a little bit about biopharma connections. I mean, can you describe your business model and, and maybe compare and contrast it with others in your industry? Yes, I, I think the business model is fairly simple. Um, we provide strategic business development consulting for companies that may not have a full-time business development director like yourself internally, let's say it's a service provider and they, they lack that um, support or they mm -hmm. want to extend their support to maybe the West Coast or, or different regions. The other type of business development support we offer is to startup companies that need connections and introductions to investors and strategic partners to either outlicense their technology or to gain funding. So we wear both hats. We call you know two verticals to the business. And how we differ from competitors, I think, is on several fronts. One is, you know, 100% focus in the life sciences industry. Uh, our team has probably greater than 100 years of combined experience in business development, M&A, sales, licensing. Um, and I think, really, we're not just a lead generation firm. We are passionate about either helping a company get their unmet, you know, their new therapy for an unmet medical need to the patient. So we, we stay, you know, focused, follow through. And then, or on the other side, we're passionate about helping service providers grow their business in the life sciences, because that also helps advance new therapies to the patient, right? That's what it's all about is, you know, look at the COVID vaccine, without the incredible work done by these companies, we would have never had a vaccine in what, eight months or whatever it was. So, so we love making a difference and helping companies advance from their concept to clinic to commercialization. Wow, well, yeah, I mean, making a difference is, a, is a, uh, something that certainly helps get me out of bed in the morning. And I was right. just thinking about how you focus on that in the morning you know, when you're waking up, try and focus on the positive. And one of those positives got to be, you know, you're, you're making a difference in the world. So that's, oh, yes. that's great. Now, I know one of the things that you do is you help facilitate connections between biotech companies and partners and investors. Can you give our audience some insight into some of the considerations they ought to have when they're, when they're trying to get funding? Yes, yes. And uh, this is something that they will hear if they go to any, um, you know, one-on-one on, on how to prepare for investor presentations. But right. about five major areas need to be addressed in their pitch and in their presentation. The first one really is, is novelty or uniqueness of their solution and, and what is the problem statement, okay? So that needs to be very clearly identified in the presentation. The next thing is team. So does their team or their advisors and their founders have experience in the area and a proven track record of uh, starting similar companies, exiting, 
you know, a proven track record of success. And if the team are, if they're science founders and they don't quite have that experience, they can add that through board uh, members, advisors, KOLs. So it's really important to create a team that will tell the industry these people know what they're doing and they have a high chance of success. Mm -hmm. So that's probably more important than anything is the team. Mm -hmm. The next is IP. So you want to have solid IP or at least provisional patents filed before you start presenting. Um, and I think uh, the other two factors are uh, market. You want to clearly spell out the addressable market. What is the potential both US, rest of the world. And lastly, you want to have a good development plan. And this is something maybe Alta Sciences helps their clients with, but you want to be able to show the investor if they invest in you, what are you going to use the money for and what is the timeline? So you want to have clear milestones. What is the cost to reach each of those milestones and how will you get to a value inflection point? So those are the things, you know, just there's others, but I think those are the key things that need to be included in a presentation. That's fascinating. Really, really mm -hmm. helpful, especially mm -hmm. line it out into the kind of five key points. Let's, let's move from the business side to the drug development uh, process. My next question is about API manufacturing. And mm -hmm. there are so many challenges associated with getting your API ready for your first in human clinical trials. What, what's the role of a consultant in that part of the drug development process? Yes, you know, I used to fill this role. I was program manager for 10 years and had to outsource a lot of API or drug product manufacturing. So I think the key at the beginning is um, helping the company or your, if you're internal, your boss, really create a solid RFI to use that to evaluate multiple vendors, mm -hmm. select the top three or five, and, and really extract as much information as you can about um, their history of quality audits, um, their client list, the client references, uh, years of experience, financial um, stability. That's very mm -hmm. important because we all know companies that have gone out of business in the middle of your program. Yeah. Um, and then staff experience, technical expertise, and turnover rate. And that's really important because you don't want to start up a wonderful program and your project manager turns over every few months, right? That's just a disaster for your program. So I think the upfront planning and evaluation is so important to pick the, the best vendor. And then once it starts, once you've selected a solid kickoff meeting where the plan is laid out, the timeline is laid out and agreed to by all parties. Um, and then, you know, communication plans developed, um, weekly calls between that vendor and, you know, your, your team. Uh, and then on-site presence as much as you can, considering it's a pandemic, but at least initially on-site if you can, or a virtual, you know, tour. Uh, and then, um, you know, visit as much as you can. And ideally, if you can be there for the manufacturing process for your API or your drug product, that's always best to be there in person if you can. Right. So is that, I mean, are those the key, would you call those the key considerations to help facilitate and ensure time management? I mean, you mentioned getting a timeline in place and then potentially having weekly calls and mm -hmm. to the extent that you can be on, on site. Are those the key 
items, in your opinion, to help ensure on-time delivery and ensure time management? Or are there any others that you, you throw well, in there? I think in my experience, that's always key to closely manage. You know, you, uh, in my opinion, you can't just toss over your program and hope everything goes well, right? So I think it's very close management, weekly or biweekly. But the other key factor is to ensure that the project team at the CRO or CMO is suited for your project, right? So what is the experience of their project manager? What's the technical expertise of the lead chemist or the lead biologist? Um, so you wanna make sure that they've all had years of experience, they've had track record of success, um, and you want to make sure they can anticipate problems before they occur and that they'll alert you of problems as soon as they occur, right? So that everybody can work together to, to solve the issue. Um, so I think communication is, is really key and that's probably the inexperience, you know, track record. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So in your mm -hmm. experience, what criteria should a company use to select a consultant for their drug development uh, programs? Yes, that's a great question. And I know several excellent consultants. And what I look for is, you know, entire career history, but where did they work before they became a consultant? You know, years of maybe big pharma or medium-sized pharma, track record of success, um, technical expertise in the given area, right? So you're not going to select a really strong molecular biologist for a small molecule program, right? That they can't anticipate that the issues that might occur. So, you know, relevant technical expertise, um, references, um, clients they've supported in the past, maybe client testimonials, um, and time availability. You know, that's really important. You want to be sure that the consultant has enough time for your program. So get a commitment from them, how many hours they can allocate for your project. And, um, and then stay, stay on top of that consultant just as you would the CRO. So be involved you know, be in on those weekly calls or biweekly with the consultant and the CRO or CDMO, um, and, it, and it should go well. Uh, excellent. So you do help companies, you do help facilitate connections between companies and CRO partners. When you're helping to do that, what are, say, the top three things that you're looking for to make sure that your partners hit their drug development milestones? Mm-hmm. You know, I think quality uh, is right up there at the top. Uh, you know, what is their audit history? You know, have they been audited by FDA, EMEA? So you can evaluate all of the CROs you're thinking about or CDMOs with a paper audit uh, by asking all of those key questions, right? Mm -hmm. um, try to uh, see if they'll share some audit inspection reports with you. Many times they will or their public information but you want to really dig deep into their regulatory compliance history. Um, I think also the next thing is technical expertise, mm. uh, facility and equipment. You want to really look at the facility, you know, configuration, equipment list. You wanna make sure they're well-staffed. And, and here's a key pain point. You want to make sure they have the capacity to deal with your project. Mm. So you ask questions like, you know, how many, 
projects on average will each project manager have to manage? You know, you don't want them to say, oh, eight or 10, right? So any good project manager can really realistically manage one to three, maybe one to five projects if they have support. So I like to see organizations that not only have strong project managers, but they have project management associates to back up those PMs in case they go on vacation, in case they're sick. Right. You want a second person that knows the you know, details of your project. So I look at those things, quality, project management, technical expertise, equipment, uh, and then financial stability of the company. Yeah. Right. Well, you, yeah, you raise a good point there with how many projects a project manager is carrying. I've seen in the past, um, there's a temptation when you get a really yeah. strong project manager who has all the background and experience that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants to give that project manager the most difficult projects, but you know, there, there is a point at which they yeah. can't apply their full expertise. So thank you for all those tips. I personally yes. have experienced that particular one in, <laughs> in my life. Um, so let's, I mean, this has all been really fascinating, uh, Teresa, mm-hmm. very helpful, at least to, to me, and I'm sure our audience would agree. Let's wrap mm-hmm. up with another personal insight from you. I mean, what, what keeps you going? What, what makes you want to come to work every day? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I have several driving forces, really, but we now have a team of wonderful people that are helping me mm-hmm. run this business, and they include interns that um, are, you know, master's biotech, their first job, it includes um, our clients. So I want to make sure they're all successful and they're learning and growing and and developing. That's a driving force. But the other things I want to live up to my commitments to my clients. So if I've told a service provider, we're going to help you grow your business and gain some new clients and, and really you know, um, really excel your business. I want to live up to those commitments. Mm. And then the third thing is the overall passion of, you know, getting these new therapies to patients that are suffering um, and, you know, really fill an unmet medical need. And, And in my career, I've had so many examples of working on programs that are now on the market. And, you know, one example at Biomarin, we were working on rare diseases for MPS1 and MPS6, MPS4. Mm. Mm-hmm. And now they, there's are commercial products and, and these children are, would have died by the time they're eight or 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And now they're living and in college and some are married and, you know, it's just been incredible. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you see that happen, it really drives you to continue that. Yeah, that's amazing to have that even happen, you know, once in your right. life or twice in your life, but mm-hmm. to be able to do that as, you know, a career, that's got to be really gratifying. Very and rewarding. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, Teresa, thank you so very much for your time and for being sure. here. And I also want to take a moment to thank everybody who's listening to this. Uh, we really appreciate it. You can see other programs and videos at altasciences.com. So thanks again and have a great day. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow Alta Sciences on LinkedIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube to stay up to date on the latest news, podcasts, and webinars.